This is episode number 172, Aging Does Not Hold You Back, with Paul Long. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming weekly conversation called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a couple months ago with the intention of bringing our community in closer as well as creating a space where we can mutually understand and embrace each other's journeys. If you would like to know more details about how you can join any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we respond to you with all the details about how you can become a part of this community. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for connecting with me. And I remember that conversation you and I initially had lasted a couple hours. Um, <laughs> And probably could have gone even longer, but we pretty much covered at least everything that I could think of uh, on the face of the earth in in those two uh, two hours or so. So I wanted to have you on the show for a couple of reasons. First is I think you have a very interesting perspective when it comes to this concept of aging and how it's viewed in society and then also the path that you took your, through your own personal journey of understanding it. So the way that I wanted to start off this conversation is I wanted to first break it down, but have it be broken down through your lens as far as when did that really, when did that concept of aging really hit you? And what were the stories that you heard around you that you ultimately believed not to be 100% true? Good question. And, and I'll try to keep it shorter than four hours, but um, <laughs> because it was... Well, first of all, let me say this, and, and, and this, this is what I came to realize rather quickly, but, but I think was that, that, that subconscious realization that, you know, we all have, and then mm-hmm. you get clarity on it. I never really thought about what it would be like to be in the current age range that I am now. But what I was realizing is, is that in no way, shape, or form was I feeling or perceiving myself as being older, unless mm-hmm. I look in the mirror, literally. I mean, I, I, in fact, I even quickly came up with a characterization of there's my chronological age, there's my physical age, which I think is, you know, because of attitude as well as moderately well taken care of myself is about 20 to 25 years younger. In fact, mm-hmm. the only time I go to the doctor is for a physical and he says he agrees. But in terms of my mind, my heart, my spirit, my desire to try new things, do things, be challenged, innovate, 
I'm still in my late 20s or early 30s, with the exception of the fact that certainly I've got the decades since then that I've learned, you know, mm-hmm. what works, how to make it work, how to manifest it and things of that sort. And, and my wife will even sometimes say my maturity level is still in my teens, which <laughs> I'll take. You which know. Is so, okay. <laughs> so it, it started to be this realization of, wait a minute, you know, I don't feel old. I don't fit that stereotype truly within myself. And I also started noticing a few years ago and, you know, I've, I've got a journalistic background and then, you know, I started a content creation business. So I've created every imaginable video and live, live event for car companies and things of that sort. And so I love to, you know, you get attuned to what's a great story to tell. And a great story to tell is an unrealized or unknown thing. And what I was, what I was seeing that was happening now in this era is that what it means to be older is totally new from what it's ever meant throughout human history. In other words, you know, it used to be 40 was old and then 50 Mm -hmm. or 60 was old because you were going to only live a couple of more years. Well, you've got increased lifespan, granted, but you've also got increased health span. And then you've also got this generation that, that was in its youth in the 60s in which, you know, you think of protest marches and sex, drugs and rock and roll and stuff. But those were manifestations of a generation saying, wait a minute, we're not going to do what society expects us to do at this age. We mm-hmm. are going to define what we want to do. And in a lot of cases, it was to signify, it was to make a difference. It was to be pro-peace or the women's movement, civil rights movement, gay and lesbian rights, the the environmental movement all started back then because it was like, wait a minute, we're going to define what it is. And it's happening again. It's happening again with the same generation. It's like, wait a minute, I don't want to retire. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and then I started hearing stories too, that people just kind of, you know, you, you live your life, you strategize, you try, you, you aspire, you take on challenges. And then like you retire, you mm-hmm. just get this notion of like a multi-decade vacation. Hmm. And so what I was seeing is, is negative consequences, because as I started looking into this story, so to speak, I started seeing, you know, people retire for six months to two years. And then all of a sudden there's this spike in alcoholism, drug abuse, divorce, hmm. depression, suicide, because you've lost your relevance. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you aren't challenged anymore. But I also saw, wait a minute, what's the alternative to that? And that is, is that maybe this is a third stage, a third act, a third path in which you, you had your youth, you had adulthood. In a lot of cases, unfortunately, it's the default life. Everybody did what they thought they were supposed to do. But now maybe that career is waning on purpose or, or unintentionally or whatever if you had a family, the kids are gone and you've got all this background and experience and you never lose your talents because you get older. If you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you're whatever you are, you don't Mm -hmm. lose that because you get older. That's why many of the great accomplishments in human history have come when you got older because you've Mm -hmm. got the experience to go with it. You don't lose that. So maybe you could look at this time as my turn. Now, I've got a better chance of knowing what I want to do. Well, that really invigorated me to bring awareness to this and then to give people the options of what can I do and how can I go about doing it? Mm-hmm. 
So the thing that gets me curious is this, in regard to the comment that you said about my turn, I felt I'm in a slightly different boat as far as I don't have kids, I don't have a family just yet. And what I realized was that why not just start now, right? Why not start living the life in re- with that thing as far as my turn today? I Maybe it is a generational thing and maybe it is something that many of you were taught when you were kids as far as when that family comes and, and whatever else, those become the sole responsibilities and that becomes the sense of purpose. And then once you, for example, once the kids go off to college, then you can pursue your own thing. Is that relatively accurate? Is that how it was presented um, to you when you were a younger self or was there a different message that was taught to you? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, two, two things here. First, the, the, the latter one. I mean, you're right about that, that for instance, you know, and, and I'm, a, I'm a younger boomer uh, although I, I, I've been advocating and writing about, let's get rid of generational labels in the first place. It's not just about generations. It's about what phase of life you're in. And they're all stereotypes, you know, it's the mm-hmm. same as racism. So let's get rid of that. But when, 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 even though people around my age were radically changing how to live your life and what to do about your life, we were really the first ones to do it. You still had imbued upon you this concept of what you were supposed to do with your life, and you certainly did it. That takes time to change. If you look at people in their 20s now, um, the, 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 the path is wider uh, in terms of, of, of realizing that I've got more power to define what I want my life to be. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily follow the default life, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And so to answer your first question, absolutely. You know, it comes down to the individual. Are you open to and ready for living something other than the default life? Are you, mm. are you willing to have the self-awareness and put in the effort? And yeah, you know, the struggle, the challenge, asking yourself and becoming aware of some things that, that are hard. I've been going through that myself the last year or so in doing this thing. I had to take on stuff that's been with me since childhood and overcome it and identify it. It's a challenge to do it, but it's not that bad once you start doing it. But anyway, that with that self-awareness, and, and I think with the COVID situation, you know, as Richard Leiter, author of The Power of Purpose, says, when we're in crisis, we go higher and deeper. Mm-hmm. It really is an opportunity to say, wait a minute, you know, what am I doing? You know, is, is, is this making me wake up in the morning, to, to oversimplify it, but it's true. Is it, is it making me wake up in the morning and I'm excited? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I doing something that's purposeful and meaningful? Is it something I'm passionate about? And by the way, a colleague of mine, Elena Love, worked with the University of Michigan, your alma mater, Hmm. to um, codify a process to identify what your passions are, meaning your archetypes, things like, like I'm a builder, uh, creator, and transformer. Mm -hmm. Are Are you doing those things that hit those internal needs that you do and, and live a more purposeful life? You can do this at any age. If you're self aware, if you're open for it and you're willing to put in the effort to do it, and it is, it is, though, more typical that once you get over 50 and if you didn't have that self-awareness earlier, 
that you do start going, okay, wait a minute. Now what? Mm -hmm. I mean, by the way, when, when, when your career is closer to the end than the beginning, when the kids do leave the house, I mean, I talk to other people my age and I say, yeah, you know, I'm, I've got a working book title called now what? And they're like, oh, <laughs> whoa, how many times have I asked that question? Well, we're all asking that question nowadays. Mm -hmm. So yes, no, you are absolutely right. And, and I'll even add, and we can go more into it later if you want. But when I, when I bring these things up, I find I get the most engagement from people definitely in their early 50s definitely in their 40s and in their 30s. I, my two sons are in their 20s and I think they're five to seven years away from looking to make that life pivot, if you will. Mm -hmm. There was a video that I watched a little while ago. It was, it was Kevin Hart. I think he was being interviewed by Joe Rogan. And in that segment, he was talking about this concept of what's next. And I thought that was such a profound and interesting question to ask because that question can be asked at any time. Mm -hmm. What's next? You know, you, you graduated from school. What's next? You, you finish a business, you're on to the next one. What's after that? So I think this concept of what's next, I don't think it ever stops. No, I don't think it has an end point. I think the only end point <laughs> is maybe when you're not no longer here in the physical body that you have right now. But the, the, the thing and the growth about the concept about evolution and growth is that it's always going to happen regardless with or without us, I think. And so choosing to become an active participant within that growth and asking yourself the questions of what you just posed now, what, or what's next? I think it's the, in my opinion, one of the only ways to continue to create more meaning and that deeper sense of purpose and identify different elements of yourself that you may not have had an opportunity to see just yet. Uh, words of wisdom. Um, and as a, uh, okay, as an elder, as somebody mm -hmm. who does have a lot of life experience, and there is value in that. In fact, throughout human history, it used to be venerated. Ironically, mm -hmm. now that we're in a better place to provide it than ever before, you get dismissed. But yeah, a couple of things. You're right. You know, John Lennon's great quote, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Mm. You know, so that's one thing. Number two, I think we all throughout our lives, and especially in our youth, quite frankly, fail to realize how many options we have. Our thinking is so limited because our thinking gets to be redundant. I, I know that one of the things I've been espousing, especially for older workers who are out of a job or whose jobs are threatened, it's like, you know, just because you were doing this particular mm -hmm. kind of job or in this business sector or whatever your whole life, re-examine and re-look at, you know, what are my skills? What are my talents? What are my abilities? Where's my experience? What do I have inherently? Look at them individually like a toolbox so that you can start to determine how you can reapply them. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that, you know, I also believe in the power of intention or the law of attraction or whatever. And so whether you want to say that's a universal, a spiritual thing, or even a subconscious thing, I don't care. It works. And when you have this intent, when you set an intention that it's like, you know what, I'm going to live a more purposeful, meaningful life or however you want to characterize it. 
you start putting in the effort and things start aligning in your mind and even externally for which you start pursuing it. I want to tell you, there is the joy in the journey and you're right. There is no there, there. The moment you start it, your life gets, get, gets better. The moment you start it, you start getting more excited about it. Mm. And that's in the micro, you know, in the macro. And one other thing that this, this has really resonated with people, uh, you know, in their thirties and their forties is that, the real epiphany I had was when I was talking to a friend, colleague, who also happens to be a client. Uh, she's in, I think, her mid-30s, two young kids. And has been a fan of, of, of what I've been working on. And she was like, yeah, you know, my husband and I, we were kind of talking about, well, what are we going to do when you hit so-called retirement age? Mm-hmm. Kids are out of the house, probably done with, you know, what she's been doing career-wise and things of that sort. And it really hit me. And I even did a video blog on it. Um, where uh, in the video blog, I'm, I'm holding and reading from Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places You Will Go, hmm. which a lot of people will know that, that, that typically that book is given to high school and college graduates mm-hmm. because it's, 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 it's think, saying, think of the road that you have ahead, all the excitement, all the things you're going to do, places, people, challenges, accomplishments in the decades ahead. And I said, well, why don't you give it to somebody when they turn 50 or at any point in life, to your point, mm-hmm. because you still have the decades ahead. You still have that road ahead. You still have all of the things that you can do and things of that sort. Certainly when you come to the you know, later phase of life, why not look at it totally anew? You know, again, it's this my turn, my opportunity, but you can do that at 30. You can do that when you get fired or you get laid off because of everything that's that's going on with the economy and with the pandemic right now uh why not make that pivot now um you know for something that's more purposeful and fulfilling and knowing that it's going to change a few years from now but you're going to be in a momentum trajectory that it's just going to keep pivoting in ways that are even more meaningful or appropriate for you Mm -hmm. well i think one of the challenges when it comes to that step and choosing to step into that new new journey is change at least what my experience and what I've learned after having had however many conversations by now is that change is not welcomed as an opportunity change is welcomed through the lens of fear that there is going to be on things uncomfortable that I may not like the results that I get through it and There could be some truth to that statement without a doubt, but what I've learned is that when it comes to those obstacles and challenges, those things are always going to be there. Always. Always. That's just, I think that's probably one of the truths about what life is, is that it's full of those ups and downs and opportunities to learn. And so I think because change is always going to happen and it's inevitable, why not just step into it? Why not look at it? Even right now, if you're really being honest about all of it, when it comes to the pandemic part, one of the common themes and stories that I hear is that I can't wait for it to go back to normal. It won't. What what is normal, right? Exactly. The the normal is whatever you accepted today. And so, well, if normal means seeing people in person, then okay, that's great. But at the same time, I look at all of this and I'm, I'm grateful that in a way it did happen the way it did, at least in my world, because now I understand the power of technology. Now I understand how I can effectively communicate with people who are in Australia or Norway 
without having to book 20-hour flights to get, <laughs> to get there. And so there's this whole new world opened up. And long story longer, it's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of the lens that you choose to look at it through. And in this case, as well as many of the other cases, I don't think it's any different. What am I here to learn? What is this here to teach me? How can I use this to better understand the world that I'm building? And how does this align with whatever mission or vision that I have in my mind? Incredibly insightful points. Here, here are a couple of here are a couple of quick points to to mm -hmm. to validate that. Number number one, we are literally through evolution wired to avoid change. It's a defense mechanism um, in in the several hundred thousand years that Homo sapiens have been involved in. You know, we tend to think of ourselves as such modern creature, but the 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 the, the modern age, so to speak, even the, the age in which we eat a lot of the foods that we eat now, like grains, is just a blip. Our DNA and our wiring of our brains hasn't, it, it takes 70,000 years to change. We haven't had that. So there is that inherent resistance, but you're right. There's the fear of it. There's the fear of failure. There's the fear of something different that we're wired mm -hmm. against and everything. But a couple of things. Number one, I, I love the phrase that like the Green Berets and the Navy SEALs use of, you know, embrace the suck. You know, that, that if, if you've got to do something that's going to be hard, got to be challenging, something that you're resistant to, you've really got two ways of dealing with it. One is, is to avoid it. But it's almost like, you know, my task list here. You know, mm. I don't want to do that. Well, I can avoid it, and that's going to gnaw. That's going to be like the water torture. It's going to gnaw at me. It's not going to get done. That's going to cause more consequences. So I might not have to step up to it and grunt through it at a given moment, but in the long term, it, it's a nightmare. So put that on any life scale that you want to do. If you if you lean into it and you take it on. I mean, in the first place, I'd say eight times out of 10, you'll find out it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, had to, I had to really dig into, you know, in order to make my current endeavor succeed, I, I had to literally sit down and say, you know, where, where are my blockages? You know, where are my shortfalls? Where, why haven't I succeeded at this before or whatever? And, and that took some work. And then it's like, oh, I know why. I know what happened to me when I was a kid, or I knew, knew the environment that I grew up in and how that affected mm -hmm. me. And you know what? It was just like, oh, great. Good to know that. How do I get past <laughs> that? And then I actually realized I, I had, let me, I'll give you a, a, really, a really quick one. Um, uh, I, I, I was with this thing, I was suffering from the imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, which we all do. And I was sitting there going, Okay, wait a minute. I used to be a television news guy. I used to be on TV, you know, and, and I, I built this business and I took on and created projects and stuff that uh, no one had ever done before. I mean, mm -hmm. definitely going out there with it and stuff like that. Why do I have this? And I realized that like when I was about to start launching stuff on Facebook, I was thinking, well, you know, what, what will this guy, I actually realized, I was thinking of this one guy who was a bully in fifth freaking grade. What would he think? And I'm like, am I out of my freaking mind? I'm thinking mm -hmm. about what a guy who I haven't seen or been in touch with with decades is thinking about that. The moment I identified it, I got past it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't painful. In some cases, it can be. But if you think the, 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 the ultimate point here, any, it, it really is 
anything that is truly worthwhile in life is hard. Mm -hmm. Greatest thing that I've had in my life are raising my kids and the relationship I have with my college sweetheart. It hasn't been, you know, raising kids is hard and scary and difficult, but the outcome and the worthiness of it are off the freaking charts. Mm-hmm. You know, any of the great things that I did, I've done in my career were really hard to do, but they were ultimately worth it. And if you just do it, if you lean into the suck, y- you can achieve it. And it's almost like once you get going, you're there. Why do you think it is hard? Again, I think, I think it's fear. It's fear of failure. It's fear of exposure. It's fear of embarrassment. And again, our, our brains are wired against making that change. It's, it's just, it's easier. Why, why do diets fail? You know, because it, it, it's easier to have, why, why is it that, that, that when, we're, when, we're, when people are trying to do a diet and everything, all of a sudden they'll binge out, you know, on a gallon of ice cream or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they, it just kind of is. But it's also like when I really changed my diet, you know, what I eat and don't eat and things of that sort, I allowed myself to occasionally break the rules. You know, I occasionally allowed myself to eat some of those food and not make it so absolute on me. And then I, the, the other thing, and here, here's a really big thing, and you know, you can listen to so many self-help, self-improvement people ranging from Lewis Howe and Brendan Bruchard to, um, you know, so many others in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Brendan Bruchard is high performance, but other people, it might be dieting or it might be on the spiritual level, whatever. And they always say, you know, we also don't give ourselves credit. You know, it's like when you do that little thing, when you do that special thing, give yourself credit. You know, I, I got, before I go to bed every night, I sit there and I do review the day. And not just what did I get accomplished, how was I mm. as a person? You know, how did I react to things and stuff? And yeah, a lot of times I'm like, oh my God, why can't I get past that? <laughs> oh, you're such a jerk or you're such a, you know. But, but I then end with praising myself for what I did do right. And I got to tell you, it's amazing the difference that that makes and how that makes you feel. You st- we, we're very good at being self-critical. We are awful at praising ourselves. And when, when you're trying to make this transformation, when you're trying to go through something hard, that's, that is the time that even just the smallest victories, that moment, J- James Clear, Atomic Habit says, you know, one motivation is, first of all, start with the 1%. Don't sit there and think, I've got to go to the gym every day for the next year. You get your shoes on to go to the gym today. You, get, you grab the car keys. You focus on the first 1%. You're voting for the person that you want to be. That's his. I love it. Mm. Every positive action is that you're voting for the person that you want to be. I'll add to that, that at the end of the day, you count those votes. Mm. And you sit there and you say, I did this and I didn't do that. And I was like this. And you acknowledge what you did. You give other people praise. Management, leadership, number you know, one-on-one, praise people for when they're doing what they need to do. Why the hell don't we do that with ourselves? We just That's a really don't. good question. It's a really good question. And I, th- I don't know... I don't have the ultimate answer to that, but I have learned the same thing that even in regard to, I mean, this concept of it's, 
easier to love someone else than to love yourself or to help someone else than to help yourself. I think it's somehow, I, I don't know when it started or why it was the way that it was, but this concept of choosing to show compassion towards yourself and actually admire the things that you're good at, the things that you're proud of. It's almost a foreign language. You know, there's so much, I don't know what it is. I, I think there's partially shame. I think there's partially embarrassment of choosing to look yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I am really proud of myself for the ability to X, Y, and Z. Oh and, yeah, it's, it's this, it's a societal thing. You're right. And, mm -hmm. and uh, boy, maybe we should work on this uh, eventually, but um, you know, there's also this thing of, well, humility. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've talked to people and helped people like, um, you know, trying to find a job. I mean, range, ranging from my sons and some of their friends all the way up to people uh, in their current age. And I went through this too. I hired many years ago when I was making a transition, I wanted to think about getting a full-time job, but I just re-upped my, my production business. I hired a professional resume writer who, who did, really did a beautiful job of, first of all, getting out of me all of these skills and abilities and talents and experience that I had. I mean, really mm -hmm. thorough, that tool thing that I was talking about. And then I saw what she wrote up and I'm like, whoa, you know, this is like two. And she's like, wait a minute. Didn't you tell me that you did this? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, that's what that <laughs> is. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think one example was um, C-suite consulting, meaning like CEO stuff like that. She's like, aren't you in there with the chief marketing officer, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's what that is. So, so we have this there's this kind of false sense of humility because I'll hear other people with reason, oh, I don't want to be boisterous. It's like, this is the time when you, yeah. it's, it's like you don't act like a conceited jerk, but mm -hmm. this is the time when you got to put it forth. So you're absolutely right. And, and even if it's just privately within ourselves, we have to, we have to, especially if we're aspiring to change something, do something, overcome something, we have to focus on what's exceptional about us that's going to enable us to do it. Yeah. I think there's also a lot to be said when doing that evaluation. It's not only about where you're at right now or what you've done, but you have to consider what you aspire to be. So some of those skills and maybe creating a brief or a small bridge, however long you want it to make that thing. So if you're not a writer, maybe somehow incorporating that into your language so that it gives you enough. It's, it's almost like a vision board. I look at it not totally. any different than that. If you have that sheet of paper and you've been able to identify all the different things, you give yourself no other option but to look at that one sheet. That's, for me, one of probably the best way that I've realized for myself that works is I view life through one sheet. So, in fact, whatever plan I put down, however complex it is, I try and fit it all into a spreadsheet. I love to see it on one sheet and, and not having to go between pages and ask myself, okay, where is this? Oh, it's on page 17. Rather, it's on one thing. It's simple. And it's, it's all about, I think, simplifying it in order to create those routines and those habits. And, and, and I'll add to that. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I have vision boards too. Mm -hmm. And, but I have heard, I mean, from dozens of highly successful people and, 
highly successful influencers ranging, well, I, I tell you what, Brendan Burchard and Lewis House, just, you know, a couple of people we talked about. I've even heard Vaynerchuk, you know, mm -hmm. Gary V refer to it, but also going to, you know, Deepak and Wayne Dyer and so many other, Vishnu Lakhani and um, Sadhguru. Um, and that is, is that, you know, it's kind of a meditation, which by the way, could be while you're lying in bed you know, um, or, or just whenever, is that you almost daydream what you're aspiring for or what you want to be a certain way. And literally, what does it feel, smell, taste, look like? Mm -hmm. Actually envisioning it as it is, the way that you want it to be. And, you know, I've done that in meditations, you know, for ages. When, when, when I wake up in the morning before I lift my head off the pillow, I do two things. The first thing is, is that, you know, I take just a minute and a half of gratitude, a, a little thing, a big thing, something that happened yesterday, the fact that it's freezing cold and I'm in a warm bed. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. because you mm -hmm. cannot, you cannot be unhappy if you're being grateful. And the more you're grateful, the more you're appreciative of things. And by the way, we're all just, whatever we're doing, we're trying to do to be happy. So oh, I'm being happy in that moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm achieving something. But then the second thing is, is I will envision the day. I envisioned this interview with you. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how did I, how did I want to be, which I'm not always. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> how did I want to feel at the end of it? You know, and, and. Uh, and then, you know, the whole rest of my day, how did I want to be toward Kim? How did I want to be on, you know, these things that I'm doing? Um, and, you know, so whether you believe that, you know, you're connecting with a higher spirit, the universe or yourself or all three, again, I don't care. It works, you know, and you can go a long-term projection too, you know, so in doing what I'm doing now, even though, we're, I, even though I'm pivoting my effort, it's called pro boomer. Mm -hmm. And now I, I thought I was so damn clever. And now I can't wait to get rid of the name Boomer because I'm into intergenerational, non-descriptive, you know, stuff. So I'm pivoting that. So I'm envisioning not the specifics, but now more of what it's like and what kind of results and impact I'm making with it. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the different stages, because when you and I were talking initially, you were, or even in this conversation, you mentioned it a couple of times this concept of wanting to get away from some of the labels that we've been introduced. So boomers, millennials, and then instead look at life through the different phases. What are those phases to begin with? Well, and, and again, oversimplification, but, but if, if first of all, again, to me, thinking, okay, boomer for boomers. Uh, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of the clips from re resulting in okay, boomer based on something a boomer said, and it made me want to say, okay, boomer, <laughs> you know, but I can also say, okay, millennial, or I can say, okay, Gen Xer, or I can also say uh, Russian born guy living in Texas. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's like, it really is the BS of these presumptions and assumptions that lead to stereotypes. That's this broad painted brush, you know, it, it, so what I'm really advocating, and I've gotten quite a cohort group where we've started this thing uh, called Ageless Rebels, you know, the mm -hmm. power of ages, where it's just like, let's get rid of that. On the one hand, it's like, you know, I may be a more older, mature guy who's still got pretty youthful, 
mindset and actions. And conversely, I know people in their 20s that are vastly older and more experienced than their years and vice versa in every point in between. And so certain things get ascribed to millennials and certain things get ascribed to boomers. And yet most of us are outliers. You know, if there were 330 million people in the United States, that means there's 330 million variations. Mm -hmm. And then by, and, 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 you know, you can literally look at it the way that you look at racism and sexism and all the other isms too, where you're point painting a broad, broad brush that's saying because of this fact, you're this way. And it's just not true. Now, let's talk about it in practical terms. If, you, if, if you're involved in an endeavor, being as broad here as possible, a business, a project, mm -hmm. a team, or something like that, you want you want the team that's got everything that you need in order to succeed. There are so mm -hmm. many different elements of it. There are inherent talents, there's abilities, there's experience, there's skills, there's mindsets, there's even personalities. Uh, you know, this is the point, this is the business case between diversity and inclusion, which is really big in the business world right now, that mm -hmm. you want a very diverse group of people on your team and you want to be very inclusive of them. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing, is that only 6% of the diversity and inclusion mandates within companies includes the term age. They'll put in every other variation and not talk about age. Well, one thing that inherently is going to come with the age is experience, life experience, business experience. So imagine if you will, just to set up one, one of 12 billion scenarios, let's say you're an entrepreneur, you're a 27 year old entrepreneur mm -hmm. and you've got, the, you've got the whatever and you've got the ability and you know what your strengths are and you've got some cohorts that have some strengths and everything, but maybe you also need as part of the, the ingredient for success, you need somebody who's got experience in this, you know, mm -hmm. managing a team, uh, over, problem solving, raising funding, or, mm -hmm. or, or design even, you know? I mean, just, just because it, let's say your audience is fellow 27 year olds does not mean that you can't hire a 60 year old person who is a graphic designer who could design something right. that's unbelievably, that's uber cool. Mm -hmm. um, and conversely, you know, if you're an entrepreneur in your 60s, I mean, there, there's value in digital natives and there's value in the fact that uh, Mary here you know, is the most unbelievable person when it comes to uh, dissecting analytics into something meaningful, whatever the, the hell it is. And oh, by the way, you know, stereotype buster. Um, boomers, there's that distinction, but that's the way the survey was. Boomers start up double the number of companies every year that millennials do. So, you know, you think millennials are entrepreneurs. Well, no, boomers do it, lead by two to one margin and have a seven in 10 chance of succeeding, you know, which even kind of makes sense. But as a boomer and, you know, in my other business, I work with a lot of millennials. And, you know, then you get into the intergenerational thing where it's like, if there's a realization that there's mutual benefit and if everybody approaches each other with respect and kind of acknowledgement of where you are in your life, where I am in my life, what you bring to the table in all respects and what I do. And maybe because I'm older, maybe I'm one to lead that effort and set that tone. 
I tell you what we're finding more and more and more, and I'm working with people who are, are doing it in businesses and corporations, Charlotte Yap, you know, with her circle in which she's pairing, you know, younger people and older people together to just kind of co-mentor, share and things of that sort, is that when it happens, I mean, it is like mind-blowingly magic, the dynamic and the help that everybody has as a result of that. So it's just a matter of, of, of being respectful and open for and leveraging it. Mm. It's a really interesting point. There are a couple of things I'll add on to it as well. I think in regard to age, what I've learned is that I do agree with you without a doubt that it, it does give you or it can give you more experiences. Can. It's good. You know, that's it, a good distinction. Yes. Um, the reflection part, that's the one that I still have some questions about because I have learned through my experience that even when people who are however many years, 5, 10, 20, 30 years older than I am, it doesn't mean that they've been able to reflect upon those experiences. But I, I do agree with you as far as looking at it through the lens of just because a person of a, is a, of a specific age, it doesn't, it shouldn't disqualify them from any of the opportunities. Rather, I think it's, it's, I don't know how it's weighed out as far as the decision goes, but I think it should be looking, looked upon with the same mindset as any of the other categories that you mentioned, personality, skill, culture, whatever else that the person chooses to look at in order to decide it. Um, one other thing, because you and I can clearly have this conversation for however many hours <laughs> from, <laughs> from the time that we started, what is the best way? I know that you mentioned the cohort that you guys have. What is the best way that people can connect with you? Do you have anything that's coming up that's part of your work, part of that cohort that people can be a part of? I, I would say um, in the first place, you can reach me through proboomer.com, P-R-O-B-O-O-M-E-R. Very soon there's going to be a name change because I'm getting mm -hmm. rid of all that. I got into this ready, fire, rain. So I've really been into it. I mean, I've been developing it for a while, but I've been into it about seven months and I'm already pivoting or relensing, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. But I, I'll be keeping that URL so people can still reach me through the contact uh, uh, information there. So that is one thing that's coming up is going to be this shift of what my effort is in terms of helping people make this shift, you know, mm -hmm. to a third stage or, you know, for me, it's a fifth stage. Um, but to, to, to support in the foundational work and then, okay, where do I go from there? The tools that I need in terms of ageless rebels, we just launched it, uh, but already we're getting in this great cohort and cohort group. And we're finding an incredible amount of interest in multiple sectors including and especially business and tech and everything else where there is this realization that, whoa, wait a minute, this thing about just bringing in the new hires and brushing out the older people. It's like, I don't know about you, but I've had 30 mentors, mentors in my life. I've learned so much through osmosis by people who have been there and done that. Who's, and that's, that's the case throughout human history. That's how the civilization progresses and advances. So mm -hmm companies are starting to realize that we're throwing out the baby boomer with the bathwater. So, mm. And so um, um, not much that I can specifically report now because we're still in the early development phases, mm -hmm. um, but you are going to be seeing a lot more on that. And maybe we can revisit. Absolutely.
Thank you all for choosing to tune in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.